Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is a super special bonus minute, technically minute 63 and a half. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my rambunctious, outgoing, and energetic guest co-host, Crystal Beth. Welcome, Crystal. Woo! Thank you. I was debating <laughs> on coming welcome. in really mellow, but I was like, I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, why Why bother? Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's, do you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I love movies. They're my favorite thing. Um, uh-huh. I love talking about movies, which makes Movies by Minutes my favorite thing. Um, I am a part of Keep Calm and Game On, a gaming podcast. We're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but now that I have much more free time uh, for the virus that must not be named, I, <laughs> we are going to start recording again, and I play uh, Star Wars Dungeons and Dragons with the Rebels Rebels podcast. So awesome. If, yeah, it is so much fun. So if you are on iTunes, I mean, Rebels Rebels in general is just a really awesome podcast. They go through Star Wars Rebels one episode at a time, and cool. they do a great job. But you can go there, listen to them, listen to the D&D, whatever you want to do. And that is, that's, I have a dog and a husband. The end. Nice. What's your dog's name? Tycho. Tycho, that's right. Hello, Tycho. Tycho Brahe, the sweetest baby in the land. <laughs> Do you uh, do you remember the first time you saw Tron, or uh, did you watch it recently? I watched Tron for you. Oh, thank you. And I think I watched it too late. Yeah. Because it's dated. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Uh, still good. I mean, it kept me engaged the whole time, which is great. Uh, oh, good, really, good. What you, if I can pick one thing to be wowed by it's being able to keep me engaged and not the special effects which are great i love the little tower guys the little arch things that come and just like knock them oh yeah 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 the recognizers yeah terrifying actually Um, yeah they are they are they're they're effectively uh effectively you know oppressive you know right and i i had seen the neutron when it came out in the theaters and watching this Tron gave me the same sort of feeling I got when I recorded the Thing podcast because I had never seen the Thing. And somehow, as a film major, I had gone my entire life not knowing what the premise of the Thing was. Well, not knowing what the premise was? Yeah. All I knew was that it was, like, what I thought it was was, like, the Swamp Thing. Sure, sure. So... Just Just some monster or whatever. Yeah. So I got to watch that and be completely blown away by everything and with this and with this tron as well it was kind of the same thing where i was like and that's why it was so engaging because i didn't know the premise of this movie and how it differed from the new one which it doesn't much but um it's quite similar yeah and they didn't um no one really talked about tron with me so yeah it was fun to watch it and be like i don't know what's gonna happen right now Oh, cool! Right on. Yeah, I think I uh, I showed it to my daughter, and she checked out about two thirds of the way through. Which I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, I think how old is she? Maybe she's uh, eight and a half, so that oh, makes sense. Yeah. About yeah. like half an hour into the film, she was like, "Are there any other uh, girls in this movie?" You know, and I'm like, <laughs> um, "No, there really isn't." You know, sorry, <laughs> you right? know, this is it. So, and it's so hard to know. see their faces, which I think is such a big deal. 
to and especially for younger people in order yeah. to connect with characters you yeah. i need their faces i need their emotional emotes i guess yeah and um i mean except for darth vader who's just voiced lovely <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. chewbacca it, it, yeah 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 <laughs> and anything done by andy circus and <laughs> yeah yeah oh what's sure. the name of the guy before andy circus that did all of the uh Oh gosh, he was in Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy. Oh, Doug Jones. Doug, Doug Jones. Jones. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well we'll go through. Uh, we'll go through. Let's see what what happens in this minute. Uh, in this minute, that's actually technically two ish minutes. Tron and Yori go into Yori's apartment and have what appears to be an intimate moment. Uh, perhaps gross. in the sort of Hollywood <laughs> gross in the in the in the Hollywood fade to black. Kind of way. <laughs> but you know, it's my feeling that m- maybe not. I don't know. Let's see. We'll see. It's uh, definitely it's a different story in the novelization and the screenplay, but uh, but uh, in here it's like it, the way it plays out. I'm like Tron, are you understanding what Yori's uh, what Yori's laying down here? But yeah, you picking up what she's laying down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what's what's going on here. So Tron and Yori uh, walk along a ledge to a very small door. This is another amazing example of how you can take sort of footage of two people running on a small screen and completely add like a fictional background and some sound effects and bang, you've got yourself an environment. I mean, I know that sounds a little uh, silly to say in today's uh, day and age because movies do that about 50% of the time with any kind of science fiction, fantasy, superhero period piece. But it's thrown into sharp relief here because of the strange low polygon neon universe that's created in Tron. So this ledge has like bright green lines flowing down the wall and across the ledge, kind of like a like a linear waterfall and a red glowing line around the lip of the ledge. Dotted turquoise stripes with a darker blue artery between them also spilling over the cliff ledge. It's kind of like a like a Mondrian a Mondrian minimalist landscape, you know, like <laughs> a lot of a lot of the other scenes in the film. That kind of like really really simple, uh, that kind of really simple high concept art. A lot of the backgrounds like that here. I've always I was also thinking that. This is kind of a movie. The backgrounds are kind of like the 60s and the 70s as seen through the prism of the 80s. Yes. You know, like you, you, you've got all this like trippy psychedelic stuff, but it's got these harsh diagonal straight lines and neon glows that are very much like reminiscent of black light posters from Grateful Dead concerts, but they've sort of just morphed it into this, the hard edges of like the shoulder pads and the chrome of the 80s sort of aesthetic, which I thought was really, uh, which is really kind of cool. There's some uh, little bleeps and bloops and that sort of staticky background hum at the sound of their, they're very, I love the footsteps in this movie. All of the footsteps sound like they're taking place inside like a tiny egg cartons or something. Just that like really echoey clip, Mm -hmm. clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. I don't know how I was going to say a can. A can. Yeah. 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 Like a little, a little can or something. And you can't, um, I don't know how they get a grip on anything because it sounds like their feet and their hands are made of, uh, porcelain or plastic and everything seems like it's got no friction on it you think they just be i want to make a can pun so bad <laughs> oh yeah oh can they can can, can oh can they, they? <laughs> <laughs> uh they walk up to like an oval shaped portal in the wall with a, a black line connected to it running up the wall off screen and then beside the door is an entry panel intercom looking thing that's glowing a few different colors now, when we get to the door, we cut in closer, and the colors shift on the intercom in a regular short pattern. It's like three rectangles in a triangle glowing pink, white, 
fuchsia, green, yellow, white, turquoise, and a few others in sections. Uh, Who the knows door why? Turns in, <laughs> it's just, I love that it's so colorful. It's such a colorful world. There's a couple things about this movie that they didn't do that uh, I'm glad they didn't do. You know, like it's supposed to be in a computer. So they could have gone like whole hog with the black and white or made it just green and white or made it just amber and white or something like that. And uh, they could have had everything have right angles and everyone could have talked to each other in a computery kind of way. <laughs> and they, they, they didn't do any of that. So I'm really, I'm really happy they, uh, they steered clear of that. You know, it makes it for you know, metaphor-wise, I'm not really sure what the programs are anymore, you know, because right. it's kind of morphed. Because like, in the in the original concept, they were literally artificial intelligences, right? So I'm glad sort of they like took that out. Yeah, it was like an alternate universe Earth where they created AI to do their bidding, and this was what they were like inside the computer. But then they kind of just went away from that into, ah, they're just programs. Let's keep it. Would have been Westworld. And... Yeah. Without the writing of Westworld. So uh, the door turns into a grid, a blue grid, and disappears. Uh, sort of like how the players materialized earlier in the movie, but like in uh, in reverse. And then Yori and Tron step through the now clear doorway into a turquoise fog. Now, up until now, this was all this was all in the movie already. This is like minute sixty three, around the forty five second mark. After this scene, we would have went to Tron and Yori running along and being surprised by a red guard, and Tron quickly drawing his disc and taking out the guard, making him spin like a top in a really weird sequence that doesn't, it's not recreated anywhere else in the film. But that was one of the first shots they ever tried. That was the one they shopped around to studios to get uh, funding. They should have made it a minute 69. Ayo! They should have. Ayo! I was so hoping. I was like, oh, it's minute 63. Man, you are only five minutes off. Come on. Five, Five minutes off, guys. Which usually, I guess, is how all things of that nature go. So, <laughs> hey oh, hey oh, <laughs> yep, it's a, it's a hard one. <laughs> so we uh, we cut to Tron and Yori stepping into a room with rounded uh, sectioned walls, like they're inside the top floor of a lighthouse with tape on the windows, or like a, a simplified gray pumpkin or something. Well, actually, those are both those are both horrible examples. Actually, <laughs> I don't a know. Simplified what would you... gray pumpkin. A simplified gray pumpkin. Just what would like you, one uh, you'd find it in the wild. You know, just like one of those gray pumpkins. You hollow it out. You crawl inside. That's what this would look like. And, uh, and then as you they do step it. Through, and then you do it. The door pulses with a series of arrowed scales, I guess, signifying that it's closed and locked now with a force field. Now, uh, Yori is looking at Tron, waiting for his reaction, while Tron slowly steps in and looks around, taking it all in. He's not super impressed, and he literally <laughs> says, "What is this place? It's terrible." <laughs> like uh, Yori This is where sighs. I live, jerk. Yeah, Yori sighs and says, "It's uh, it's my quarters." You're like, "Way to go, Tron!" This guy, man, this guy. He's real good at throwing frisbees and killing enemy programs, but in almost every other respect, he's kind of like I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, that's a, that's not a good a, not a good opener to when you're no. when someone's showing you their plays. It's weird. It's, I'm a little conflicted about this scene in its in its entirety because in some ways I'm really sad they cut it, but in other ways I'm really happy they cut it. You know, mm-hmm. and this this I'm line okay is that they one. Cut of, it. I'm okay. I'm totally okay <laughs> that they cut it, and it's they must have cut it at like a late date because the effects are done. 
you know and the effects in this movie were so effort intensive they had to send it off to a different country they had like 42 layers of film that they had to like cut out and mat and then photograph and put back together and the cg parts were done in a very effort intensive way back in 1982 dark ages banging rocks together computers so this was done and then they were like no we Mm -hmm. have to cut it and it was a really good good call i think it was a good call on their part but it got really far Really far it's down the line some there. of the most impressive graphics and i feel like well with the uh youtube uh blah, 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 the youtube link that you sent me yeah uh it says it ended up being cut because the director thought it was too sentimental and he now regrets that he cut the scene i think it's probably yeah. because of all of the <laughs> the uh, yeah. technology that went into it he's like i don't even care if it's sentimental look how pretty it was yeah right like it's just from a sheer yeah technological achievement standpoint you're like i really wish that was still in there it was there's an earlier scene with grid bugs uh where oh sorry it's later it's later they're on um they're on the solar sailor and they're looking down at the grid and there's these green spiders that come up out of the ground and they and they're walk they're like they're like robot spiders and they're really cute and it's really funny and it's uh, spiders is a bad uh it's a bad spiders is a bad comparison they're just like weird almost like uh you know those bugs that are on top of water like those oh, little yes. skeeters that like skeeter, little, yeah. they're like those and uh they're not in the film anywhere else and you never see them heard or referenced ever again <laughs> but the guy who animated that sequence spent like six months animating it all by hand and they were like oh okay, we can't cut this we have to put this in the film and, you know, it's good they did, but at the same time, it, it could easily have been cut. And this kind of falls under the same umbrella. Like, they could have left this in just because you have to. We spent so much time on it. <laughs> you have to watch this. Seriously. You know, Wait, it, where were the bugs? I'm having trouble remembering where and when really, they were. It's, it's an insert scene when it's the, part of the dead air after they escape in the solar sailor. Okay. And they're going, they're going across the game sea. And they've got oh, a you just of... look down and see them. Yeah, you just look down, and she's like, "Oh, yes, look, grid okay, bugs. okay, okay." And that's it. And then they, he's like, "Look, cool." They're like, they're like, "We better not fall off and get eaten by the grid bugs." Okay, we won't. <laughs> the end. That's right. That's it. That's and then they it just keep going. Bugs. And then they just keep going, which is like, you know, yeah, that's amazing. That just, one of the sole reasons they kept it in was just because the uh, John Van Vliet or whatever spent uh, six months animating it, which I'm, I'm, you know. <laughs> Good reason, I think. But also this line is one of the reasons why I'm glad they cut the scene. Because in the real world, Alan Bradley kind of comes across as uh, petulant, jealous, mm-hmm. petty, stiff, uptight, and a, a bit of a pushover despite his implied star status talent of programming um, by making Tron and having the having the ear of Dillinger at a moment's notice. But his barbs at Dr. Laura Baines about her ex-boyfriend Flynn do get to be a bit much. And he doesn't seem that impressed with her work. You know, he's like Mm -hmm. immediately making a joke about using the transporter, the transporter that she just helped invent. (laughs) And he's like, can it send me to Hawaii? Like, Sounds like every programmer (laughs) I have to hear my husband deal with, honestly. Word, word, definitely. Like it's a transporter, but Tron, on the other hand, uh, is like a like a samurai or a missionary. Like he's a, like this focused warrior with a fierce drive and battle prowess yes. and a direct line to his god. You know, he's been stern so far, but not mean. You know, he's like clueless in places, right. but he's not this a was jerk. Mean. But this was 
you know, here he's just really showing some Alan oh, behavior. Oh, gosh. Your it, room's as boring as you. <laughs> look at how boring this room is. And, uh, you know, she rolls with it. Like, I guess he doesn't... You can sort of say, well, he doesn't know what the place is, but still. You know, what's well, it, it sounds like, like you know, um, oh, when uh, Luke is like, but I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> yeah. He just gets yeah. so whiny for that one second. Just that one second. And it's like up to 11, you know? It's like, dude. Yeah. So this is very similar to that kind of kind of thing. I don't want... It doesn't fit Tron for me. and I'm, I'm glad they cut it for that. Among other reasons that we'll get into. So then, yeah, it's uh, just a weird can... thing to talk about the decor when you're running for your life as well. Yeah, for sure. A few were I'd safe. I'd be like... What? What the heck right. is the wallpaper in this place? Right. I'd be like, oh, look, a really plain place with nothing going on. Can we stay here? <laughs> is yeah. what I would feel like. Fantastic. We're not dead. Our lives are saved. You know, like that's, uh, yeah. God bless this this gray room. So what do we got? Yeah. And then she continues, um, not like home, is it? Kind of, Ugh. you know, she takes this barb in, uh, in stride and says... Not like home, is it? And I like this line because I'm kind of like, uh, well, where's home? You know, what is what is home? Like up until now, all the programs have just been on vehicles or in prison or in roaming free around the grid. And now I'm like, do they have houses <laughs> <You> know, or <laughs> apartments? Like if this is a drab, a drab gross one or whatever, then what's a what's a nice one like, you know? And and uh, so I'm worried. I'm just wondering about that. Now, now I'm wondering about that. I just like, there's all these, this, this film asks a bunch of questions that really make me want more Tron cartoons and another Tron movie. And because there's so much stuff that they sort of hint at and uh, that could be explored, you know? Hey, so. there's so many streaming services. Someone should do it. Right. I'm like, Disney Plus, you need content. After The Mandalorian ended, everybody canceled. <laughs> like, keep it, uh, bring out something like, like like this. You know, I think it's just, it's rife. The time is now. The time is now, Disney, but, do it. The time is now, Disney. And we don't uh, even want royalties. We're just helping you out. We're just helping you out. It's our idea, but you can take it for free. To uh, Tron's credit, he does reach out and touch her arm a little bit. Like, he's sorry for putting his foot in his mouth. And she Ugh. reaches back. So it's still like, oh, Sorry. There, but you know cont- that near-death experience type thing where you just get all those hormones and endorphins and all of that going. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Well, I'm sorry, I was rude, but I still want what you have." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, she continues, "We can talk here, and watch this." And then she walks over to the wall and touches a panel there, and it's a series of stacked rectangles. Uh, the top one pulses purple it sort of reminds me of that really old game simon do you know that old game simon yep deet yeah yeah deet. yeah <laughs> deet, deet, deet. Deet, doot, doot. <laughs> yeah that was a really good uh a good game to play with a group that's of where kids my anxiety started that and bop it <laughs> yeah yeah bop, bop it, it pull it and then it would yell at you does it literally yell no, yeah bop it, it yells tells, it's Oh terrible. my gosh. Because oh it'd be gosh. like, bop it, pull it, pass it, and it would get faster and faster. And if you bopped it when you were supposed to pull it, it would go, Aah! Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh man. I've seen one of those, but I don't think I've played it. So that's. Uh, Did you see the one with sound. the the um two ends or the one with four ends? 
I saw the one with two ends, I think. Then they got that crazy. Must have been like version one or something. Yes. Version one just had twist, pull, bop, and then they had flick it and pull, turn, bop, flick. Oh, I can't remember what the other ones were. My gosh. Four. It's terrifying. A, yeah, yeah, for sure. I know or what was that other one? Perfection? Remember Perfection? The one with, that was just a little handheld? It was a, well, it was it had a little uh it had a panel with shapes in it. And you but take just all the shapes. No, with like <gasps> Oh, 30, the one that like, pops. Yeah, 26 or 27 and then you'd like push it down and then you'd have a minute to to put all the shapes in the right places before or or 10 seconds to put all the shapes in the right places before it pops back up. It's I... just it, hey, you want some tension? Here, have some tension. It's mm-hmm. uh... Yeah, that I uh I have a picture I'll send to you and I'm sorry this is my last jaunt away from Tron. Um but I have a picture of me where we were playing drinking games and when okay. you got to your fifth drink, you had to put together the puzzle of perfection okay and you while you had five drinks in you okay and i was the first person in their entire history of playing this game to get it all in i'll send you the picture of me where (laughs) i'm like "Ah," because i finished it awesome awesome that must have been a sorry tense couple minutes yeah yeah well hey uh, i get off the i get off the track of the movie all the time as well so it's all good all right, flowing purple lines come out of it, uh, out of the panel, and they start to trace themselves along the walls, lighting up in rounded soft curves, and then other shapes start to show up. Airbrushed spheres. Yay, airbrushed spheres. Come on, 80s. <laughs> and uh, stacks of shapes. And then other lines bisect the curves perpendicularly, making the wall into sections of different purple and blue and pink shapes, kind of like uh, an aquarium or the inside of a of a trippy van or something like that. And then uh, Yori Yori looks over all proud and asks, how's that? And uh, Tron looks around at all this happening with his Bruce Boxleitner squint. And to his, uh, to his credit, he says, this is beautiful. So he's kind of, kind of coming back, kind of back on the train. Uh, And we see uh, the rest of the apartment and you can see the, the input output tower of the window in the background. The rest of the apartment is all dressed in these wild curved shapes of purple and red and pink. There's a huge rounded uh, stalactite. Is it stalactite or stalagmite? I think it's one of the ones is that hang down. Is it coming from the top? The stalactite because they have to hang on tight from the top oh, and it'll fall down. Nice. Okay, cool. I always heard it. Uh, tights fall up, might fall down. No, that's or tights, wrong. Tights pull up, might fall down. So like tights are up. And mites are down. But then I was all You like, might oh. trip on a stalactite. I mean, you <laughs> might you, tr- you might trip on a stalagmite. A stalactite <laughs> has to hang on tight so it doesn't there fall you down. Go. We see the rest of the apartment. We can see the uh yeah, the o- the IO tower out of the window in the background. Right, and then we get the stalactite hanging down. This this huge rounded stalactite hanging down almost to the floor. It all looks a little more organic in here as compared to the outside world you've got these Mm -hmm. these beautiful scalloped neon cyan shapes fan out in two places uh near the floor and sort of a suggestion of plants which i really like Mm -hmm. and there's sort of a couple of floating spheres it's really quite beautiful i think it is i think it looks it looks real nice i love the the way those plants fan out because it's the only time i can think of that we really see any kind of representation of plants you know we get sort of valleys and uh and and mountains and stuff like that and clouds you get those big tetris clouds uh in tetris block clouds in the beginning 
But yeah, this is the only plants we see, and it looks nice. Then Tron asks, who let you do this? And Yori responds, nobody. It's very illegal with an impish sort of tone. <laughs> and, like she knows it's dangerous, but she's happy to show it off to, uh, to Tron. And she continues, I can only keep it this way for a short time before they catch me and walks over to sit down on some of the future. Uh, I like that her butt fur- half disappears. Her what? Her butt her, half disappears. <laughs> when, when she turns sideways or like... Yeah. When, uh, yeah. Both like when she sits down and then like scooches for a second. Yeah. I yeah. like that part. It's <laughs> good. These uh, and these, when she goes to sit down, these costumes, geez, Louise, I don't know. I'm surprised they all didn't like pass out because they're, they're so tight. They're just, they're just leotards. It's really, it's something else. I'm like, man, these, when they were shown the costumes, a lot of them were like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think I can do this, but then. Uh, but yeah, then, that uh, would be my answer too. Yeah. Although it was funny because some of the guys were talking to Cindy Morgan like, can you believe these tight costumes they're making us wear? And Cindy Morgan's like, dude, you're talking to the wrong person. Like, Yeah, this <laughs> every, is literally what I have to wear all the time. This is my entire, this is my career. Like, you don't, you know, don't, <laughs> don't complain to me. Did you see Caddyshack? Like, don't, don't talk to me about it. <laughs> uh, so Tron walks over and sits beside her, smiling and impressed. And there's a love theme by Wendy Carlos that kicks in here. A nice arrangement of soft strings and a version of the Tron theme, which is kind of nice. Tron gazes into Yori's eyes and says, Well, I can always count on you, can I? And Yori says, Always. Aw, that's nice. So sweet. And then Tron asks, Are you sure we're safe here? Yori looks down at Tron's chest and reaches out to touch it. She responds, (laughs) For a while, giving him a smile and, uh, you know, some of those those Yori eyes. Uh, Parts of Tron's chest light up at Yori's touch, and she's touching specific circus. Uh, Tron looks down and grabs her hand. I wonder. I wonder if he's like, "That's nice," or if he's like, "Maybe stop doing that." You know, like I'm not quite right? sure why he's he's grabbing her hand here and kind of a uh, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe don't. don't. You know, this and I'm, outfit I'm, is very tight, and I yeah. don't want to give off the wrong oh. signals if that's not <laughs> what you're trying to say. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that, but maybe sure. Yeah, yeah. He stands up and pulls her up with him, and she looks up into his eyes. It's kind of like but, but him standing up. is kind of like, okay, let's just let's get back yeah. on our feet. I need to get off this bed. Uh, let's take I'm a couple get a drink. You know, do you want one? Let's get a couple. Uh, let's get a you know a couple six inches, inches for us. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get out the meter stick for Jesus. Let's see here. Uh, she, uh, yeah, she lets go of him and walks over to that huge stalactite. She touches the side of it and a pink triangle pulses there. And then the whole thing starts to glow red. I, I don't know. Maybe it looks a little, a little suggestive. I don't know, but everything's sort of <laughs> pulse, pulsing red now, pink triangles. And sometimes a stalactite is just a stalactite, you know, as, uh, as Freud would say. And she takes a couple of steps away from it and stands in a neutral pose. And the music goes into higher gear, really swelling. And this is where we get probably the real sequence, like the sequence, like the sequence of this minute that you're like, boy, I'm, I'm sorry they cut it just for this because so mm-hmm. much work went into the costume, the effects, uh, the whole, the whole look of it. And so like, 
So she, her chest triangle and circuitry on her clavicles as well as a dot on her forehead start to glow a brilliant yellow. Concentric circles of red pulse and spill down her body as her helmet disappears. And now she has sort of a, a 1930s hairdo, sort of like Rachel in Blade Runner, but like a blonde. I don't know what that's called. I know it's not a, a pompadour or a beehive, but it's it's pretty cool. It's very stylized. Just a little puff. It looks like a, yeah. like a puffy French braid. Yeah, like a puffy French braid. And uh, her leotard clothes disappear and become a translucent, shimmering gown. And she lifts up her arms, and we can see a whole bunch of glittering lights in her sleeves and in the fabric, while pink lines trace their way all over her body and around the collar and neckline of her dress. It's pretty She's impressive. Like, Finally, I can breathe. She's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. She's like, ah, I'm out of that. Yeah, I can breathe. I can see how it's sort of a Tron version of her, like slipping into something more comfortable or. Um, <laughs> You know, putting on sort of whatever the grid version of lingerie or something. But I can, I can get why. So from that aspect, I can see why it could be maybe cut in a Disney film that wants kids to be able to watch the film. But it also sort of puts her in a, I don't know, a sort of a typical uh, seduction scene, which is kind of a, you know, it's tropey, right? You know, but yeah, like also, Ariel's dress. Yeah. Little Mermaid. A hundred percent. And then but it also shows us retroactively what was kind of missing in her introduction, like. When we first meet her in the grid, she's been brainwashed and zombified and depowered by the MCP. So she's kind of got this, like when she first meets Tron, Tron's like, it's me. And she's like, what? <laughs> you know, and he's like, hey, you know, pay attention over here. And then it, it takes her a second for her to be like, oh, hey, Tron, what's up? <laughs> you know, so she gets her... She gets some power back and uh, she starts to sort of realize what's going on and she gets back on track. And it's kind of because in the real world, she's got so much uh, drive and she's got so much agency and she's the one that knows all the characters and brings them all together and gets the whole plot going in a way. And then so here when we meet her and she's kind of not really with it, mm-hmm. you sort of without without seeing a before, you don't really get that this is an after right so this scene is like wow she's got a whole apartment going <laughs> under the nose of the mcp like a half a mile away from the mcp that the mcp doesn't know about you know like it's like oh she does she has real uh power in this world she has real talent in this world she can do amazing stuff in this world so th- for that reason i'm kind of sorry that the scene got cut because this is more of a reflection of her real world counterpoint than anything else we see in the movie really aside right. from her sort of prowess at piloting like she it's almost like her, she's the... trying to keep her sanity by being yeah. like and that's another i mean i think that can contribute to the plants as well where she's like yeah i need any sort of earthly things. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like this, like, cause the MCP is kind of taken everything away. And like, maybe there used to be a lot more, uh, grid plants around, you know, but not yeah. anymore, but she's managed to recreate a few, but this sort of makes it to her like a, to me, it sort of makes her in the movie into more of a teammate, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, like a, actually part of the plot. And then, you know, but now, Without this scene, she's kind of background, and it's it's kind of too bad. But there you go. So that's uh, but that's that. I mean, she's running the show in the Solar Sailor Bay and all that, but I think there needed to be a little more power given to her character in the movie in the grid, and that's sort of what this scene is. But it also isn't because it's just a, a mm. romance a romance interlude, which is like, well, that's a tough call. 
but all the post-production work that had gone into it, it must have, it must have been really hard. It must have been a real hard thing to make the decision to cut this. They must have just been like, Ugh, guys, we gotta, oh boy. And also we see a close-up of her face here when she beams at Tron, and we can really see how hair is a little problematic in the <laughs> black and white film. You know, it looks, it looks out of place. It's the same with Dumont's beard. You know, you're like, ah, oh, a beard. Yeah. That looks a little weird, you know, in this... You'd, you'd want it to be kind of Max Headroomy, you know? I do uh, like that they took the hat off, though, because I think what I said earlier about wanting to be able to relate to the people on the screen. Yeah. Having a skull cap on like that where you can't really see anything, you don't really know who the person is underneath yeah. it. Yeah. And you don't need to have hair, but having your face half cut off by something. Yeah. You're like, oh, and you're like, oh, she has bangs. And she looks like a completely different person. A whole different person. There's a lot of people, uh, a lot of guest co-hosts that have been on the show that talk about the first time they saw it, especially if they were younger, having no idea that Bruce Boxleitner was both Alan Bradley and Tron and having no idea that Cindy Morgan was both Dr. Laura Baines and Yori or, you know, not even realizing that Dumont was also Dr. Walter Gibbs because it changes everything. You take off the glasses. I didn't notice that. Yeah, you put on, (laughs) you know, really? I noticed most of it, but like it took me a minute into the movie. Yeah, for sure. Like you take off the glasses and you put on a bike helmet and you change it to black and white and uh, yeah. It's a whole. It's a whole other. A whole other face. A whole other. Person. I look completely different when my hair is even wet. So yeah, having like right? a full hat on too. Yeah, it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a very changing thing. So this is yeah. This is her sort of natural in the in the grid. But you see this some um, pre-production photos of Bruce Boxleitner, and he's got this like feathered explosion of hair that they were gonna go with, and then they were <laughs> like, no, nope, nope, let's not do that because it would be really hard to mat out, and it also just just wasn't working. Oh, yeah, and there's also that program in the sort of, I guess, it almost looks like a red light district or whatever that uh, Flynn kind of stumbles into with, like, club music, and there's a couple of programs looking at him. She has, like, that uh, sort of Rachel Rachel, uh, Rachel haircut, that big French, oh, okay. the French roll kind of haircut as well. So as long as the hairstyle is sort of tight and contained, um, it looks okay. But as soon as it starts flowing or anything right. like that. It doesn't it doesn't quite work but anyway tron is uh still all business and even you know she's smiling up at him and he's like how are we going to get to the io tower <laughs> you know, <which laughs> I, I like i'm like i don't know if he's trying to like deflect her advances or if he's really <laughs> just not just not picking up what what's happening in the room here you know but his earlier like the way he moved her hands away from his chest coupled with this line does sort of play like he's not really feeling this and he's changing the subject but it also plays like maybe he's not too bright which i'm not really sure which one i which one it's i prefer a mixture of both a mixture of both perhaps but uh she keeps going and she looks down and reaches out to touch his chest again saying imagine this is the domain touching the big circle on his chest uh, <laughs> it lights up purple at her touch not blue anymore now it's lighting up purple and she continues we're here and where we want to go can be reached by this circuit and she traces the path of circuitry down 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 <laughs> lighting it up as she goes <sighs> pulsing pink light along his circuitry pathways as she says and if we follow it all the way tracing down onto his belt and lighting that up before mercifully it cuts to black 
And I'm not sure how seriously much more merciful. There... merciful. <laughs> I'm not sure how much more there was in this specific scene. She just punches him in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then if we hit him right here, bang! Oh my god, yeah, we'll win. We'll we'll win. See how you feel right now. That's how the MCP will feel if we attack him right there. All yeah, right, let's yeah. go. Let's go. Get your stuff. No time like the present. I showed you my place. <laughs> oh, man, that would be awesome. Um, and then we, I'm not sure how much more was in the scene, but it, 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 it probably there was like a, a crossfade to Sark's ship or, or something like that. Uh, but one thing is after this scene, there was another morning after scene with lost audio and no visuals uh, where, or sorry, there's just the visuals and there's no audio. And there's I was no like, effect. I swear I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did see it. Uh, so it's where Tron is sitting in the lotus position, kind of crisscross applesauce, as they're saying these days, and uh, staring out the window at the I.O. tower, presumably waking up, waiting for Yori to wake up or finish getting dressed or whatever. This scene would have played a few scenes later after some more of the Flynn shenanigans trying to pilot the recognizer. She comes over to him and sits behind him, giving him a cuddle. Uh, Tron says that it's time to go and they head out. He's still pretty stoic. And doesn't really soften to her that much. So in my mind, the jury's still out as to whether or not anything really happened between them. You know, maybe he she just fell kept, asleep. He just kept being, yeah, he fell asleep or he just kept being clueless until she was like, okay, I'm going to bed or, you know, whatever. But he's, yeah, he he's like no change from last night, still fully dressed and still in the right. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. It's a strange... It, Taken in its entirety, it's a strange scene because it presents a ton of questions. Like, as I mentioned before, there's like a sort of uh, red light district, sort of slum club place sort of thing that uh, that Flynn stumbles through with some what looks like loungy, lounging, provocative programs looking him, looking at him up and down. But other than that, there's no <laughs> real, there's no inference of sexuality in the film other than a kiss later on. And this scene really seems to state that programs most likely do indeed hook up. You know, not only that they have apartments and can change their outfits, you know, they they, they can they can put on different clothes, they they have they have a place where they live and their skin is supposed to be their actual skin. It's not just the clothes they wear. So the way they the way they were gonna film it was that the face just flows into the body without it looking like they're wearing a costume. Oh, but it didn't. Too hard. It, yeah, it didn't work. It, the, the the tests they did were like, but we're gonna have to cut out the faces and cut off the hands and mat them in later in a different tone because this is not this isn't working. Um, so it's kind of like, is she changing her clothes or is she changing her literal body? You know, into this weird, you know, like a, one of those iridescent or not iridescent bioluminescent fish from the abyss or whatever. Like I think that's she's, cool. Yeah, right. That would be great if you could do that. That would be awesome. And but also do programs sleep like we see Flynn take a little cat nap with Ram in the recognizer earlier. So I guess there's precedent. But, you know, I guess I don't know if programs can hook up. Can they reproduce? Where do programs live? Like it starts to sort of break down in terms of real world allegory. You know, like if you want to have this scene in the film, you're like, well, wait a second. Like we saw some really strange programs earlier in the film. Like there's a guy that looks like a fuse talking to like something that looks like a, (laughs) uh, like a a Wookiee duck. There's like a, there's like a really strange couple of um, 
characters wandering around so i'd like to see like a a program masquerade like i wonder what halloween is like in the grid you know or stuff like that like i don't know but it raises a lot of questions that sort of turn into a whole other movie so i guess there's a that's another great reason to cut the scene as well yeah i also like that it wasn't super romantic yeah yeah that was something that i enjoyed as it went i was like good it doesn't need to be just get the heck out of there yeah and i liked it the way that even though she's wearing this really tight uh, outfit or whatever, and so is so is Tron. There's a couple of shots of Tron in the cell, what I call the uh, uh, Flanders Flanders scenes, where he's just, <laughs> he's just standing and it looks like he's wearing nothing at all, nothing at all, nothing at all. There's a couple of scenes where he's uh, just got his back to the camera, and you're like, "Wow, those are those are tight costumes," but they don't they don't. There's no sort of ogling uh moments that i could see in the cinematography there was no kind of like no that's just what they wear yeah there wasn't like seven of nine crawling down a jeffrey's tube or something like that there's no no (laughs) moment like that which i was was like it's cool it's just no it's just this is just their skin this is just their their uh, the way they the way they are so and this scene kind of kind of messes with that you know so i don't know but I do like she changes into something flowy and, and gownish with lights on it. Yeah. The, the, what, what I she would wear that. Into. I would too. That looks like a really, <laughs> really comfortable. Just you sit know? in your house and you're like, this is great. <laughs> this is awesome. It's like pajamas that won't bunch up with a cape. Yes, please. Yeah. Looks like it'd be cool in the summer and warm in the winter. Look, it'd be great. <laughs> That's all you need from clothing. Yep. Well, that brings it to the to the end of the the scene. But I like to go over a little uh, the differences between the screenplay and the novelization to to finish things off. So, do you want to go into that a little bit? Do you want to hear a little bit about that? Oh my gosh! Of course, I didn't know that yeah. there was a book. That's, yeah, they did. Oh no, I they, did know there was a book. Yeah, they did the novelization. I just didn't put two and two together. A novelization by Brian Daly that was based on the script. And uh, so some of the scenes are not in the movie because I don't think they were sort of written concurrently in production. So. Uh, it's uh, Brian Daly went on to do some. Of, he's passed away now, but he did some of the Star Wars novels as well. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a good author. Right, he does what he can with what he's given in this uh, in this instance. So in the novel, uh, Tron can't talk to Alan One because he has no in with any Guardians uh, to do it. But Yori knows Dumont is in this part of the city, and Dumont likes Yori, so she solves that problem. Right. So she's the one that's like, I know where we can go, Tron. I know a guardian. He can hook you up with Alan one. So and also she knows what's happening in this city more than Tron does in the apartment. uh, After she says, not like home, is it? He thinks not in the least, not like that beautiful crystalline place they had shared with its spires of light and chambers of rich energy filled with music and happiness and purpose so he's saying that they used to live together that tron and yori used to live together in a in a place well this whole a... scene makes way more sense now <laughs> right they don't have sex <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right she's like look what you lost i'm going to bed i'm tired <laughs> See you later we have to fight more people good night <laughs> uh, don't forget changed... to shut the color off <laughs> you just changed the entire scene for me and i like it way better she's like check it out you like well, good night. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. Also, the, the very act of shutting the door to give them privacy is something that Tron hasn't had for a long time with all his time in prison. 
So he like really responds to that as well. He's like, well, I'm in a room with a locked door and nobody knows where I am for the first time in years. This so he feels just starts pretty- to furiously yeah. satisfy himself in the corner. <laughs> He's like, this is all I've wanted for years. <laughs> Give me a second. Give me a second. Uh, <laughs> That's cool to think about. But then after, after the apartment comes alive under Yori's touch, Tron's blown away. But he says that if Yori made this, she must have had to save up a huge amount of energy, which is why she was so sort of dim and slow in the solar sailor control tower. So like it, it takes a lot of personal power to make something like this. And power is the currency in this world. So, so she's cool. been sort of living off of drips and drabs and saving what she can. And he just loves to it. Have a nice house. Just to have a nice house. That's materialistic. It's materialistic, you know, but it's also if you're going to live somewhere, you might as well be comfortable where you're living. There was a friend of mine. If she was living like I was always the kind of guy that's like, well, if I don't know how long I'm going to be living in this place, I don't need anything more than a couple of boxes and a chair. You know, like Uh it doesn't matter. I'm going to be. And then sometimes I would end up in that place for eight months or a year with a chair and a couple of boxes. And it's like I should have gussied this place up a little if I'd have known. But the way that this friend of mine works is she's like, well, even if I'm going to be there for two weeks, I want the place to be a place that I'm happy to come home to. So she always like. I wish. I don't. I'm like you. Yeah. I don't know if it's like living in New York City for so long where moving is such a hassle. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't buy things. I didn't put things on my walls. I didn't have to worry about putting holes in my wall or buying extra stuff. And it. We just, John and I moved into our condo that we bought about a year ago. Right. We just last week hung a mirror and a shelf. (laughs) First time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that I can totally, that I can totally get, right? Because growing up as a teenager living with my father in Vancouver, we went through like 10 basement suites in like two years you know we're just like well moving again so i never had a chance to unpack and i think it's a much better way and then moving to scotland and living in a bunch of places over there it was like if you can't put all your stuff in a bag and call like one friend to put it into a van then you've got two then you've got too much stuff exactly i never saw the i never saw the reason but if you stay in one place for a while you just you tend to accumulate stuff but this is right that was i I accumulated stuff through marrying my husband. Sure. Because I have a little bit more of a nomadic uh, spirit. So I, we got all of my stuff moved from Brooklyn to New York to like Manhattan where we were moving in together in four hours. Wow. There you go. Right. Bang. No, uh, no fuss, no muss. They say, right? Like just. Yeah. And the biggest thing was my couch. Everything else. I got all the boxes downstairs and most of it was the traffic. Anyway, what? The, coming back to Tron, coming back the to amount Tron. of effort she put in to this, I never would have done because I would have gone home just <laughs> no, to go to bed. I wouldn't. Have, and also, if I had, if I was Tron and I'd walked into this place, I'd be like, "What is this plain gray box? I love it." You know, right, like, I love I, it. I really love your minimalist expression. Yeah, it's going to be very easy to fall asleep here. Thank you. Yeah, I can really <laughs> hear myself think in this place. Thank you. This is great. <laughs> Uh, Actually, but he, that's terrifying. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he loves this. Uh, he, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm alone with my thoughts. Okay, let's head out. They, uh, uh-huh. They've got a... Um, he loves the apartment so much that he makes an internal promise to make the entire world look like this after his victory. 
so that's uh, that's kind of something that he says to himself. So there's yeah. some talk about how warm and soft and curved and inviting and comfortable all the furniture is uh, compared to his prison cell. And what's different is that when he asks, won't someone notice? Uh, she responds with, I don't care, which is a little a little reckless. I think it, I like it better that it's apparent that she's gone to great lengths to cloak this place and make it safe rather than just saying, I don't matter. If anybody notices, then we're both dead. It doesn't matter. Like it's spelled out that they used to be together and that they were separated by his incarceration and that they've been longing for each other. <laughs> and so he says, how much time do we have here? And she responds, enough, before putting on her gown. There's some talk, unfortunately, of her being sinuous and graceful and looking like an emergent butterfly, becoming completely herself again at last. The central thing in his existence infinitely desirable uh and she says come here and then the cool thing though is that he changes too in the novelization he changes as well as he as he walks towards her his circuitry takes on a more flowing pattern his helmet disappears and then this great sentence <laughs> his warrior's forelock and cue were revealed stirred by the forces around them <laughs> i don't know what the Jesus. heck that means but wow she, but he changes too, which I think is is uh, is pretty cool. But now we're definitely on the they're on the same page kind of wavelength. Whereas in the actual <laughs> scene that was cut, they were that's kind of not too clear. But uh, he says, um, "I love you," which is nice compared to his stoic nature in the actual scene. They raise their hands and nearly touch palm to palm. They stand like that for a bit until a blissful ray springs between them, enveloping them until they are bright filaments. They share energy, becoming one and sinking down among the reclining contours as the room shines with glory. And she says, I love you, Tron, back to him. It's a lot less vague in the novel. <laughs> uh, and then we get, uh, then we cut to Flynn piloting his recognizer in that whole scene. And the scene of Tron wow. and Yori, the, the scene of Tron and Yori the morning after is pretty much the same, uh, except that Yori realizes that continuing the adventure with Tron means leaving this apartment permanently, which she's pretty sad about, which I can sort of appreciate. A nice apartment is a nice apartment, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, there you go. Whole, whole different scene and definitely less vague in terms of the uh, the joining or whatever. Although it's kind of a an avatar joining, like in the movie Avatar where you touch ponytails. Oh, gosh. Or whatever, oh, right? Oh, man. Just kind of a, a, a that was the best. <laughs> that was the best. A or actually, I would probably more equate it to uh, Demolition Man. Oh sure, yeah, definitely, yeah. That sort of, that sort of VR. But, like they don't actually touch, and it's like, oh, well, this is weird. Yeah, he's like, whoa, hey now, what the heck is going on? Yeah, she tries to kiss him, and he's like, what? she's like, what are you doing? He's like, <laughs> breaking the, the law. She's like, get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might Perfect be a movie for these days, honestly. Yeah, these days that might be headed that way. Uh, let's see. In her in the screenplay, the quarters have one-dimensional murals of furniture on the walls before she fires it up. And Tron simply asks, why is everything like this? Which is way better than, it's terrible and I hate it. <laughs> Which I kind of yeah. like. It's a better line. 
Uh, and then the furniture murals on the wall actually become the furniture. So there's like a drawing of a chair that glows and becomes a chair, like all that kind of stuff. And there's talk of it looking loving and seductive. In the screenplay, it's her first touching of the wall panel that transforms her into her evening wear. And she oh. says, uh, she says, I kind of like that. That means it's yeah. like, that's just what she changes into when she gets home and not like yeah. she's trying to impress anyone. Yeah, it's a one touch thing. She just turns on the lights. And then her clothes go into something more comfortable. Like just step oh, in the door, that. do that. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? That's so bad. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Freedom. There's a there's a line of direction which says his face tells the story. The fugitive returned from long exile uh, is being fully rewarded for his efforts, which also really paints the scene here in a in a different light. And. Uh, their hands touch and they embrace glowing and she says you've grown big program and he responds with i had to in the games which is a very (laughs) again a different a different scene than in uh and in the novel too and in the screenplay they make a point of saying that as they sink down into cushions made of starlight their lips never touch so this is all energy contact transference Right. They sigh as they move their hands over each other, trying to touch each other's entire body at once. And this is indeed the point where they crossfade to Sark's character. And this is the, the scene. This is the scene before when Tron looked out over the grid and we cut to Sark's character, Sark's carrier before panning down to Flynn's piloting. Like I remember that cut being a little confusing because it made it look like Tron was looking right at Sark's cruiser. Right. Okay. But you're like, oh, that's where this scene, this scene would have been, and then it would have crossfaded to Sark's cruiser in a, you know, a train, train going across the countryside kind of way from an old film or whatever. But, uh, but so cutting from the love scene to the cruiser and then panning down to Flynn would have made more sense. But so there's three sort of very different scenes going on here: the one that was filmed and cut, and then the ones in the the screenplay. And then another thing to sort of keep in mind is that in the original script, Tron was supposed to be this hulking massive uh like 50 year old 60 year old warrior like this scarred uh oh my giant uh schwarzenegger kind of like schwarzenegger as he is now kind of kind of beast you know and uh and that's why he's such an amazing warrior and then flynn was supposed to be this weedy nerdy 80s stereotype counterpoint right and uh, and way younger. So like Flynn was supposed to be 20 and Tron was supposed to be like, you know, in his 50s. And then what we got was two actors that are the exact same height and weight <laughs> and look and age. <laughs> so uh, they had to work with that. But that sort of changes this scene, too, is uh, he wouldn't have been like a, you know, a 25 year old warrior. He would have been a, a, a giant, older, beleaguered uh, warrior, which sort of was like, oh, that would have been that would have been an interesting scene, too. I don't know if it would have been better or worse, but it sure would have been different. That's what well, I like most about scenes like that. You're like, it's it's weird to me and I don't like it because I didn't have it. But if they took it out, what would my thoughts be then? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, it's 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 conceptually it's a very interesting scene, and I thought it deserved some some talk on its own, even though it's not in the actual movie. And I'm absolutely thrilled that you had the time to to join me on this minute because uh yeah i've listened to all of your a bunch of your podcasts and all your guest spots and it's just been fantastic having you on the show thanks i'm really glad i was able to get on yeah yeah me too me too took some took some doing but uh we did it in the end 
So I mm-hmm. guess if that takes us to the end of the minute, do you want to tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of you? Sure. You can find me on social media at The Crystal Beth. And on iTunes, you can listen to my Movies by Minutes, The Fifth Element, or any other Movies by Minutes. I'm on a majority of them. <laughs> and uh, because everyone that hosts one of these are spectacular, amazing people. Uh-huh. And uh, Rebels, Rebels, like I said. And my that's it the things that's it that's all i do awesome. keep calm and game on as well sorry forgot about that oh yeah that's a good one too yeah the fifth element uh fifth element it's uh, i remember during my sign-offs here i've often felt the same thing uh that john was feeling with like uh give us a follow away don't you you know ended up becoming you know because every time i go through my sign-off i'm like and here we go. And I guess, but yep, anyway, the so the thing I say every time I should get it pre-recorded, but it's kind of fun to hear it morph into, into something else. Okay. So <laughs> I which, forgot he did that. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> oh, it was, it was just cause I would, I would, I downloaded them all and marathon of them. So it was just like this degradation of the sign off into just noises that I was, uh, I was really, really happy to hear. Give us a follow. I don't I was <laughs> Exactly. <to> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was real good. So if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at Trotologically Speaking. Drop us a line on Twitter at Trotologically Speaking. Send us an email at Trotologically Speaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Trotologically Speaking Minute by Minute Listeners page. A shout out to Pond5.com for the opening and closing music. And as always, special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, like Tron wasn't, which blew my mind, then consider doing one yourself. I find it to be a very inclusive yeah. and encouraging community. Very welcoming, which, uh, which is fantastic. And we drink together every Friday. Exactly. Lots of fun. <laughs> online. <Lots>. Online. <laughs> online. Uh, do you want to, I, I, I like to finish things by doing, by saying end of line in unison on three. Do you want to try that? I would love to. All right. One, two, three. End, end of, of line. line. Perfect. <laughs> love it awesome thank you <laughs>